Guys, hang in there. We're getting to the end of the service. Okay, so there are four parts to what I want to chat about. Um, I want to ask you some questions. I want to give you some tips. I want to tell you how I don't get it right, and then we're going to have a hardcore knockout punch at the end. Okay, so the topic for today is Jesus in the home. Okay, so question number one. For this one, you can put your hand up, okay? But the rest, you don't have to. Who in this house, room, church, has Jesus living inside their heart? Hmm. See, I could have asked the other way, who doesn't, but I won't do that. (laughs) Okay, the second question is, you don't have to lift up your hand. Those of you who've said you've got Jesus living in your heart, which part of your heart does he not live in? Does he live in your whole heart or not? Okay. Third question. Who has Jesus living in their home? You don't have to have your hand up for that. You can if you want. And going with that question is, does Jesus live in every single room of your home? So we're going to go and try and explore all of those little things. Okay. When I was, I was walking on the beach this morning, and I picked up 10 little pebbles, little rocks, for the 10 little tips I want to speak about. So if one of these, like, is something you want, you can either, I can throw it to you, you can fetch it, come afterwards. Okay. Because each of them are different, and each of them kind of represents something. Like a pebble in your shoe can give you a blister. But also a rock upon which you stand can help you overcome obstacles. So I don't know what it means. I, just, I don't normally do this kind of stuff, but I just had this feeling. I'm bringing up these 10 rocks. I'm not, I feel a bit like David, eh? But I needed 10 in case I missed. He just needed five. <laughs> okay. So how, the practicality is how can we bring Jesus into our homes? And there's 10 things I was thinking of. Um, so the first one. Here's a little rock for the first one. Is our meals and our hospitality. So if we, and you must understand where I'm speaking from. I'm speaking from a guy. I'm speaking from trying to be the father in the home. And I'm probably speaking mostly to the guys. So moms, there is stuff for you as well. And kids, there's stuff for you as well. Uh, one of my friends actually asked me to speak about one specific guy really hitting home at the guys, which we'll get to. But the first thing is, how can we practice Jesus and bring him to home is, is meals and hospitality. You know, we entertain angels unawares. So what we do as a family is every night we have supper together. And we put all our distractions away and we often ask three questions. What was your high? What was your low? And what was your buffalo? Like your just that kind of ob thing. Um, I only got kind of introduced to buffaloes when I got married to my wife, when she, like, just that random thing in the day. I never really thought of random things, but uh, it's just made my life so much more interesting. So I think one of the things is where we just settle down, and as a family, we sit around the table and enjoy a meal together. You're not sitting in front of the television. You're not running in and out. That, to me, is an essential part of bringing Jesus into, into our dining room. So he's got to be, but also not just that. We love I love having people around. Again, Colleen's not quite as extroverted as I am, 
And that can sometimes cause some tension when I announce that, oh, there were some people coming for supper tonight. And she's like, but you didn't tell me. And I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> didn't think about it. But it, to, to, to me, it's really an important thing. Having a meal, having people over to me is our home is open for anyone who wants to come in. You know, and sometimes it gets uncomfortable because the people who come in, you don't really want to be there. But <laughs> Jesus, throughout the Gospels, throughout Scripture, there's this whole thing about food and he's our bread and the wine to sustain us and how many times he shares meals with his disciples and stuff. So meals for me is crucial. So here's the pebble for meals. So if you're not doing enough meals or you want to do meals, here's your pebble. You can come and get it if you want. The second thing that I feel that we, how we've managed to bring Jesus into our lives is through prayer. And it's a prayer that has, I feel, changed our family tremendously. Um, and when Jesus was like 12 years old and he went to the temple and he got left behind and he stressed out his folks and they came and fetched him. He said to them, why didn't, I mean, you should know it was my father's house. And he comes home and then this is the verse I want to read for you. It's out of Luke Two, verse 52. So he says, and so then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Mothers treasure these things the whole time. We look at photos and stuff. Dads I treasure stuff as much, I don't think. But this is the verse. It says, and Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. And it's kind of weird to me think that Jesus grew in favor with God. But my prayer has been over our kids as often as I can at night is to pray those four things. That the Lord would grow them in wisdom, grow them in stature. Ethan has already overtaken Colleen. Grow them in favor with God and favor with man. You know, we want to be able to do well in our lives. So prayer is a really important thing. And together with prayer, in how we try and bring Jesus into our home, is what is God saying to you? Instead of coming to me or to Colleen and asking, well, what should we do? No. What is the Lord saying to you? What do you think God's saying? And it's, a, you know, the Holy, there's not a baby Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit. So I think it's really important that we do that. And that, that here's the second rock, eh? Okay. The third one ties very closely to that is, is like quiet times. So don't expect your kids to model what you don't model. So if you're going to have your quiet time, you're going to have your devotion every day, like we know, birds fly, fish swim, Christians have quiet times. Lots of other things. Christians also come to church. It's part of who we are, okay? But what we've done is, so as the kids have grown, we've got them different devotions at different times. So that the time where they are now, like 10, 11 years old, 12, 13, they already have a Bible, not a little devotional. So you start off maybe like that. But for us, it's been really important. And I absolutely love seeing the kids wake up in the morning, just come and sit on the couch and read their Bibles. It's just amazing to me that, that, that that's a thing that they're doing by themselves, that I haven't have to force that upon them. One of the things you can do there is, if you think about it, is there are 31 verses in Proverbs. So to make it easier for the kids, 31 chapters at least, Read the corresponding chapter of Proverbs for that day of the month. So today is the, the 10th. So read ch Proverbs chapter 10. And if you divide the 150 Psalms into five a day, you can also do the same thing. So on the first day, you read Psalms 1 to 5. Second day of the month, you know on the 24th of the month, Psalm 119. So it's a bit longer. 
Yeah. So, fourth stone of how do we have Jesus in the home? That is relationships. And there's like different relationships. There's a relationship with your, no, we're going to the bedroom now. Jesus, how is Jesus in your bedroom with your wife or your husband? You can answer that. You know how things are between the two of you. How honest are you with each other? How caring and loving are you to each other? How nurturing are you to each other? Because that's the core. I know that if, if it's going well with Colin and I, then it's going well in the house. Very close to that is your kids' relationship we've already spoken of. But I want to now walk out the bedroom, through the kids' bedroom, to the garden and the laundry and the scullery. And if you happen to have a domestic, someone who comes to fix the garden, how's that going there with you and him and Jesus and her? I think it's an important thing to mull over. Are we treating those people who so-called serve us in the same way that Jesus would? I don't know, maybe you need to give them a whopping Christmas bonus or something bizarre, a stove, something, I don't know. But I really think that's how we can have Jesus in the home. Now, the fifth stone, and this is the stone where Nicobotma, Dr. Nicobotma, said to me, he got so frustrated with, and this is where I feel that for us to practice, and this is where we really want to speak to the dads, the men, is you've got to practice healthy masculinity in your home. You want to bring Jesus in? Be like Jesus. And there are five kind of rules of life that I want to share here that you have to learn, and they are really hard things, but Jesus comes with the opposite to that, how you can overcome those things. And the sooner you can learn this as a youngster growing up, or even hopefully by now you've learned it, a better human being you'll be, a nicer husband, nicer dad, nicer example of Jesus. And these are the five key things that you need to mull over, think it through, and kind of learn in life. Number one, life is hard. Nowhere in Scripture does it tell us that Jesus is coming to give us all this cool stuff and we're going to have a nice life. It's a tough life. He died on the cross. He was nailed to the cross for our sins. So the faster you realize life is tough, the faster you can also realize that Jesus says, but come to me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So as tough as life is out there, we have Jesus with us. Number one. Number two which this world doesn't actually like very much, your life is not about you. All social media, everything's about me, me, me. How many likes do I get? Your life's not about you. Actually. But what's amazing is this. Luke 10 verse 20. Do you know that your name is written in heaven? So as much as how insignificant you are in this world, when I had that near-death experience five and a half years ago, and Jesus turned to me, and I should have been dead, and he said to me, Cameron, it was like, it's my name. My name's in heaven. So the moment you can realize that, you're not, that, that life's not about you, yet he knows who you are, that's a change in, in who you are as a person. The third one is you are not that important. So I said, sorry, the first one was life is hard, life's not about you, and you're not that important. 
So listen to this in Galatians 2 verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So as much as it's not about me, it's not about Jesus. So I've got to learn to say that, listen, it's going to be hard. I'm not that important. It's not about me. But in all of those aspects, Jesus comes and he gives us an answer, which gives us peace. So the fourth one is, you are not in control. How much control do we always want in our lives? And that causes so much anxiety in our lives. And the moment we can just say, let go. Listen to this verse. It's one of my favorite chapters is in, um, in Matthew 6, but this comes from Luke, Luke 12, verse 25. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? What's the stress for? You know? I think we, 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 we've got to be in control. The guy is in control the whole time. No, you don't have to be in control. Let Jesus be in control of your life. And the fifth one is you're going to die. You're going to die. But how cool is this? Another one of my favorite verses. And in Romans, Paul writes this. He says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you know how amazing is that, that nothing can separate us from Jesus' love. You know? So I think to mull over those things of, of thinking, you know, life is hard, but we've got his, he's, he's, he's there to help us. That I'm not actually that important. It's not actually about me the whole time. That it's, um, I don't have to be in control and I'm going to die. Kind of summarizing that, I want to say to the guys out there, Mana, slikke kopie cement asjeblief. Okay? Will you please man up and be a healthy male? Okay? The world owes you nothing whatsoever. Okay, that was a... Who wants that rock, boys? Who's in for that one? I'll leave it here. You can see it. Okay. Bible number six. Okay, this is another way of trying to bring Jesus into the home is trying to practice his presence in the home. So I've been reading in this year the chronological Bible, and it's been fascinating for me just to see how, like instead of the books as we know them traditionally, how their things go. And this is now the end of Joshua's time. So Joshua takes over from Moses, and he's, then things start falling apart after this. But this like is a hardcore guy, eh? and, and he says this to the, to the Israelites. He says to him, and he gives this thing to them. He says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Ammonites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And what, what we did is when we moved into our house, um, at the front door, we've got a, like a, uh, a window that was stained on it. And it says, it's got the name Selah on it. And whenever you read Psalms, every now and then there's this phrase, Selah, which is kind of like an intermission, a pause, or just a wait. And 
what Carl and I wanted to do is that our house would be a place where people would be able to come and just experience God's presence, you know? Be that over a meal, be that with a lot of joy in the house, whatever it is, but be it just to tap out. And I've chosen this to say, no, whilst the kids are still under my roof, I want them to follow Jesus. Once they leave the house, that's their decision. We've prayed over them and we've trusted the Lord will keep them faithful. But in my house, that's what I want to do. So, you know, I want to purposefully try and practice his presence. Guys, I'm going to get to how I mess all this stuff up just now. So don't think I'm like this. <laughs> Got everything sorted out. Okay. Um, next little one is actually the first verse I ever read. So I got saved and were born again when I was in Standard 8 in grade 10. I was 15. And this was the first verse I learned. And um, it's just the whole thing about not being ashamed. We do not have to be ashamed to be Christians. We are going to live our lives to the beat of a different drum from what the world says. But there are two verses that I want to share with you here about underneath of not being ashamed. The one is in Romans 1 verse 16 where it says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because of the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of it. My, one of my <laughs> lighty guys to tell is, he, he's a proper evangelist. He tells the friends at school that if the one of the guys he said to Muslim, like, listen, boo, you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> and uh, it is amazing. I was just like, but they're best mates, but he's unashamed of it. And they, they still go to each other's parties and they chat about it and this kind of stuff. And I, I think it's wonderful, you know. We should be unashamed of, of who we are. And with that is, this is the verse that, now, now the context of this is in, um, in Mark chapter 8. So Peter asks the guys who they think he is, uh, I mean Jesus. And Peter says, oh no, you the son of God. And uh, Jesus says, okay, I'm going to build my church on you. So like this is big moment. And then Jesus starts talking about how he's going to die. And Peter's like, no, China, it's not going to happen. And Jesus turns around to this oak and he says, get behind me, Satan. Now, how many people have said to you, get behind me, Satan? And how offended will you be if somebody says that to you? Especially if it's a guy who's just built you up and he's a Christian and he says, get behind me, Satan. So then Jesus says this to him and then he turns to the people around and he says this to them. And this is, I think, so important about this not being ashamed, guys, that when we decide to be Christians, we, it's, it's not an easy road. Listen to what he says. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good it is for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul. What are you trying to gain in this world? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And this is the verse that I, the first verse I ever learned. It says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. I don't want Jesus to be ashamed of me, eh? I want him to say, yes, my good and faithful servant. Okay, we've got three more rocks, and then I'm going to show you how I mess them up the whole time. This one is like, like a party rock, New Year's. So there's two things I want to mulling over with this. Is how's your, guys, how's your booze level at the family, eh? 
and New Year's and stuff. Is Jesus proud of your behavior then? Don't know. But what I've tried to do, start a new thing in my life, is I try, and it's tied very closely to this next rock, is fasting. So what I try and do, and I think it's one of the ways to try and bring Jesus into the home, is every month to have a day of fasting. So I would have supper on a Saturday night, I mean a Friday night, and then I have breakfast on a Sunday morning. And I do it because I feel that, I mean, it's one of the things we need to do, it's a spiritual discipline. Um, it's hard because it's weekend and you want to chow and okay, I don't have a coffee or whatever, you know, it's a, but I think it's so important, eh? And, and what that goes with is this New Year's party thing is I've tried to see if I can, for each of the family members, find one verse for that year. So for the dads out there, I want to encourage you guys, all of this is encouragement of how can I bring Jesus into my home. On the, be it the 31st or the 1st, Go and take some time and ask the Lord to show you if you've got verses you can share with your, your kids, you know, for the year, and your wife, and yourself. So there's two more rocks, okay? Um, the last one is all the M's. Like, how do I bring Jesus? Movies, music, money, you know? Are we open with our, our kids about how we manage our financial situation? What's the kind of music you listen to at, at home? Or the movies you let the kids watch? Or the screen time? Okay? So that is the last rock, and that ties up to my first, I've got three places where I often get this wrong badly. Okay? And this is the first one, this thing. This thing is, yes, man, my phone, it's terrible, eh? It can distract me. It can keep me away from... The family, you know? If there's good stuff to it, absolutely. But it's for sure my one of the three things where I struggle the most um, that I need to be disciplined to put it away and not mindlessly use it. Even though most of my business goes through it, I've got to do that. That's the first thing. The second area where, where I find that I can not have Jesus at home is when I start working too much. When work takes too much preference and I'm away from home and I'm too focused on doing some kind of a podcast or a meeting at night or something like that. And I, it's been, it's definitely one of the struggles. So when we first moved here and I started that Friday lunchtime, I'm done. I don't want to work on a Friday afternoon. But then when I'm on call, I'm going to do a list. It's like these little things. But it's definitely the phone, work. And then the last thing that kind of, I don't know if Jesus can run out of our house. But sometimes he does, and I think that's when I get angry, you know? And if I get angry because the kids aren't listening, or I don't know, I've just had a grumpy patient, whatever it is. But I think that's this area I really struggle with, eh? To be able to say, okay, Lord, help me. And out of his immense grace and mercy, he gave me a wife who is just the calmest, most calming influence on me ever. My nickname used to be Ainky, his little with little cockerel likes to fight. And Colleen just like calmed me down so much over the years. So and I'm, I'm grateful for that. So, yeah, I think there are these ways we can bring Jesus into our home, but there are ways we can take Jesus out of our home. I mean, sin's going to take him out of our home straight away. I mean, is it a welcoming place? Is it a place where Jesus really wants to be? So what it comes down to to me 
is. And I want to challenge us, not just the dads, but the kids and the moms, everyone about this, is are you living a disciplined life? Okay? And in, in, in Philippians 2, verse 13, it's, it's such a nice verse it's, uh, that he speaks of. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, have you, have, as you have always obeyed, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I mean, that verse itself is just a whole sermon on its own. But we have a purpose in this world. And our purpose is to build the kingdom of God. And our primary place we do it is at home. And it's, you've got to work out your salvation. It's hard. It's like the, the disciplines of going through all the different aspects of your life. It's not easy. But we have God who's done it for us already. Jesus died on the cross. He set us free. We can live lightly and freely. So I want to I just bring it down to this conclusion. Eh? And it's, we're familiar with these verses. But I want you to think about it as in your home, and is this a reflection of who you are at your home, and is Jesus in your home? And it's this lovely chapter from Corinthians. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, then I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, that which is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And to me, that is the culmination of this whole thing. Jesus, in our home, brings love into our home. Now I want to tell you the story of... Um, such a cool story about Duncan Greer. Duncan's very close to, uh, I love him very much, but you know, he's been quite sick. So a couple of months ago, he goes to the cardiologist and the cardiologist has to do a whole lot of scans for his heart because of the medication he's taking, blah, blah, blah. So they have this intense, um, I don't know, a couple of hours examination, everything. Eventually they finish it and, and Dunks walks out and he looks at the cardiologist and he says to him, what does Jesus' house look like? Now, this is a little seven-year-old light. Cardiologist says, no, I don't know. He says, what do you mean? What does his house look like? He says, I don't know. He says, but you've just been looking at my heart. You know, and guys, that's what it comes down to. This is it. 
And this is what I feel we can pray for tonight, is, or this morning at least, is if Jesus is not in your heart, he's not in your home. So if some of the stuff I've spoken about might make you feel uncomfortable, that it's not in your home, perhaps there's actually stuff that's not right in your heart. And my prayer has just been that today these words would speak so powerfully into your lives that when, when people come to your home, they'll think Jesus is in this home. Yeah, so that was my final little thing to say. So, yeah, I think I'd really like to pray for people who, who feel that they Jesus isn't actually in each room in their heart or isn't in each room in their, um, their house. And perhaps even to do that as couples, eh? Because it's the, the couples who run that house. So, yeah. Dave, I'm not sure if you, if you feel like we should maybe just pray over everybody like this or if we should ask people to come up and be prayed for. But I, I really feel, guys, if there's one thing that's going to show this world that Jesus is alive, it's him being the presence in our homes, eh? Kim, thanks, man. That is such a good message, eh? Why don't we stand together? We just say, come Holy Spirit. Come move amongst us here. Just show us what's in the Father's heart for us. Help us not just to have our ears tickled, but uh, to be responding to you. We want to stand in your presence, Lord. We stand to say that we honor you. You are the one in whom we live and move and have our being. It's all, it's all in you, Lord. Um, I think Kim's right. We, we need to pray specifically. And we can't bring change um, from below. We need it from above. We need the Lord to come and intervene. If there's been a situation that anything as Cam has touched on this morning, any of these areas you feel like this is a place where I need Jesus to come with more transforming impact, uh, transforming presence, <clears throat> I want you to come right now and just begin to stand around the front. We're going to pray and come with your spouse or your friend or your son or your daughter or whatever, your grandparent. If you want to come representing the home, just come. Let's take time this morning to pray for our homes. Any, We won't ask you to make disclosure what particular area it is, but there's an area that you know that this uh, brings God's frown, not God's smile, in your home. We'd love to pray, take some time to pray for you. And it may just be that your home, you've longed for things you've seen from a distance, but you've, they're not part of what you're, you're experiencing in your home. And especially, I feel that we want to pray for those who, who come from backgrounds, history, maybe there's been deep pain in the home. Maybe you've been through a disappointment of a divorce or a family fight of some kind, some kind of rejection. Um, God wants to pour his grace upon you and we want to soak you in that grace this morning and see what the Lord will do because his grace will teach us to say no to all that is ungodly and yes to that which brings hope and change. So while we just stand quietly, let's just wait a minute. If you feel like you'd like to have prayer, just come up front right now and stand here and as people come, let others just come and stand with them and let's pray. Let's see what the, the Lord's going to do in home after home after home. You may just have a family member that you want to bring before the Lord and you know that this has been a pain in your home. Just come and stand here and we'll take time to pray. And as people come, would you others just come and join them? Thank you, Lord. Uh, Jesus' opening statement on his 
great Sermon on the Mount was, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, owning our neediness is the beginning of the kingdom life. So there's no shame in knowing that we are needy and acknowledging that. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you know a neediness, stuff's not right, come up front and we're going to pray. And others that are just there right now, if you'd like to come and pray for people that are standing up front, why don't you just come and do that? Let's just have a time when the Lord will use you. And I want to pray, I'll ask especially those of you who don't normally come up, um, for you to come up and be available to pray for others. It would be an unusual step. The Lord loves to use like what we call Balaam's ass, eh? Balaam's donkey. Unusual channels at times to speak and to bring life. And you don't need to know what to say. Because it will only be given you when you need to say it. And then the Lord will, will show you how to pray. So a number of people just need in prayer this morning. Would you come and just pray? And I invite you to come and stand in front of them when you pray. Would you do that? Stand in front of them so they can hear what you're praying. Um, it doesn't have to be a big counseling session. We're not yet to do a lot of counseling. I just need to say, give me an idea of the kind of direction you want us to pray for and see what God's going to do. We need a lot more people to come up and pray. Just come and join us here in the front. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. Can we pray? Thank you. Don't mean a hurry, church. If you just don't mind, just keep where you are, just standing there praying for these people, uh, just covering them, blessing what God's doing. There's agreements being made here in this building uh, that will be ratified in heaven above. Cam's opening statements and question this morning was, is Jesus in our lives? Is he in our hearts? If you know you haven't walked close with him and today you want to say, Lord, renew my, uh, my love for you. Renew my relationship with you. I want you to go on your knees right now or sit down where you are. If, you need, if you're in the front, just kneel down. I'm going to pray a simple prayer over you that God will come and present himself with you. Would you do that right now? If you know you've walked far from Jesus and you want to come back to him and you just want to open your heart to him so you can just kneel where you are, sit where you are and ask him to come. So we say, Lord, come, just reveal your spirit to each one of us here. Everyone that is holding out a, a hope for a change, for a new depth of relationship with you, Lord. Would you bring us back, Lord? Bring us back home. Give us back our first love. First love, first love. Thank you, Lord. This is a day of a, a new beginning.
Bless what you're doing today, Lord. Today, today, today. This is a new day, says the Lord. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless what you're doing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Is anyone in the house today that uh, needs prayer for healing as well? We'd love you to just come up front and indicate that to us. We'd love to pray for you. God is a God who heals, not just our homes, but our hearts and our lives as well, our bodies. So anyone here in the house need healing today, feel free to come up front. We'll pray for you as well. See what God's going to do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 